your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. You're a win as a Raider. Pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. What's up, Raider Nation? Welcome into Thursday's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast. It is Crossover Thursday. It is December 10th, 2020. Your boy Q here with you as always. And I know there was a few questions going into today if Crossover Thursday was going to happen. But indeed, Crossover Thursday is happening. So very excited about that. Evan, the host of Locked On Colts, is going to join us uh, coming up in the next segment to talk all things Colts. But uh, very excited about today's show as uh, week 14 is getting kicked off and the Raiders will be in action on Sunday versus the Indianapolis Colts. Before I get into today's show, I want to tell you about the title sponsor of the show, which is Pepsi. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or just overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. Instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, and that's the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi's here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch it. And I'm still trying to figure out a new way to watch the games each and every week, but uh, I'll come up with something by Sunday. Please believe that. Either way you look at it, Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through any game day. Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It is made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. So, coming up on the show today, Raider Nation, in segment number three, I think I'm still going to have some calls and texts straight off that Lockdown Raider Podcast voicemail line. Not too sure, just kind of last second being able to throw this crossover edition together with Evan from uh, Locked On Colts. And again, like I mentioned, uh, kind of screwy on if we were going to get this done or not, but because of some assistance and some help from some the powers that be, uh, looks like that we are going to get this thing taken care of. So, either way you look at it, I still think I'll have some calls and texts coming up in segment number three as I do. Segment number two will be the crossover edition most likely i'll just come with the 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 cult side of things just so you can get down at that now i will say if it starts to go really good then there may be you know segment two and three of the crossover edition but again kind of got to play that by ear here in segment number one going to give you the news and the notes of the day as i always do so let's go ahead and jump right into it so off top, let's talk about the injury report that came out on Wednesday. Of course, the Raiders are dealing with a ton of guys injured, banged up, not healthy. You know what I mean? Not really available for practice. So uh, very, very important what's going on with the injury report. So let's go ahead and, and go through it kind of quickly, and I'll let you know how these guys uh, can affect the game or maybe don't affect the game on Sunday if they're available or not. Jonathan Abram and his knee injury still dealing with it. Did not play last week. He was limited on Wednesday. So again, something to monitor. He's a guy that I really was hoping he was going to get to play against the he did not. Obviously, that's an issue. Uh, Nelson Aguilar, he's on there with the ankle injury, uh, but he was full on Wednesday, and he played on Sunday against the Jets, so I'm sure that Nelly's going to be good to go. He's going to be needed. Uh, that was a guy that Derek Carr missed quite a bit on a Sunday against the Jets, and you can see he was pretty upset. Not upset, that's probably the wrong word, but he was frustrated, and so uh, hopefully him and Carr are back on the same page. Uh, Damon Arnett, Concussion, neck injury, did not participate. Don't expect to see him this Sunday at all. Uh, Devontae Booker, he was good. He's got a back injury, but he was full. Denzel, good. He, uh, he was out. He didn't participate. It was non-injury related. That's a veteran day off. Jonathan Hankins, same thing. Jeff Heath, he's dealing with a concussion. He did not participate. I'd be surprised to see Jeff Heath out there, uh, just like I was to be surprised to see Damon Arnett. Again, you can't rush those guys back when they're coming back from concussion. 
Rodney Hudson, the center, not injury-related. Another Veterans Day off. He usually gets that on Wednesdays. Not a big deal. Defensive tackle Mohurst, calf injury. He's limited. Uh, he's a guy to continue to monitor. Uh, I mean, he's been playing decent throughout the season. He's a little inconsistent still for my liking, but uh, he, he's out there giving effort. He's just not you know, coming through as much as I think Mohurst would like to do, or, and I don't think he's coming through as much as Paul Gunther would like him to do, and uh, John Gruden as well. So Mohurst dealing with that calf injury. He's a guy to kind of pay attention to. If nothing else, just for uh, for depth purposes. Uh, guard Gabe Jackson, not injury-related, a uh, veteran day off, that's fine. As you notice, you know, the, the guys, the big uglies, you know, the guys on the offensive line and defensive line, looks like that they really got a lot of rest when you look at Denzel Good, Jonathan Hankins, Rodney Hudson, and Gabe Jackson, all the guys uh, in the trenches, they did not participate as they were dealing with veteran day off. Now, this guy, Josh Jacobs, the running back, obviously he's a big deal. If he's not out there, Devontae Booker, I know he's been doing a good job, and he got the opportunity, and he, he finally started going a little bit in that Jets game on Sunday in the second half, but it's just a different dynamic, man, when you got Josh Jacobs. He's the engine that makes everything go for the Raiders. He really needs to be out there. He's still dealing with that ankle injury. He did not participate, so that is definitely something to be concerned. So I would think, as I'm looking up and down this list, the two guys that I'm paying attention to the most, Jonathan Abram, who was limited on Wednesday, and then Josh Jacobs, who did not participate. Isaiah Johnson dealing with the groin injury is limited, so hopefully he's on his way back. That'd be good. Zay Jones, the wide receiver, dealing with the ankle injury. He was limited. Nevin Lawson has an ankle and a knee injury. He was limited, and he's already kind of low on the depth chart, so uh, that's a concern just because of depth. You need that depth out there. And then Sam Young, the tackle, who's been backing up Trent Brown, he's dealing with a knee injury, and he was limited. The one good thing? Trent Brown, he practiced in, you know, not a, not a full capacity, but a limited capacity. He did practice, which is a good thing. He came off that COVID-19 reserve list on Tuesday. So to see that he was actually able to get out there and practice on Wednesday is a good thing. So it feels like, just it feels like, and this is just my gut feeling, that Trent Brown's probably going to be a go on Sunday, which would be a huge lift for the Raiders in that offensive line. Next up, I want to let you know that the signing of defensive back Daryl Worley became official on Wednesday. Uh, the Raiders tweeted out that they've officially signed defensive back uh, Daryl Worley. Raiders tweeted out that they officially signed Daryl Worley, and then they also said that they restored tight end Nick Bowers to the practice squad from the COVID-19 reserve list. So Nick Bowers back to the practice squad. Daryl Worley officially a member of the Silver and Black. How about this cool little stat or this little nugget? Uh, tight end Darren Waller, we all know he had a monster game for the Raiders on Sunday. 13 catches, 200 yards, and had the two TDs. A career game for Mr. Waller. Well, the NFL tweeted out a game ball of the week. Goes out to Raiders tight end Darren Waller. Now, he didn't win Offensive Player of the Week in the AFC. That actually went to Bills quarterback Josh Allen. But he did get a little bit of love from the NFL. And then uh, Pro Football Focus, I was actually watching the NFL Network on, on Wednesday evening. And uh, Pro Football Focus has him at an 86.7 receiving grade in the NFL, which is actually second. And the only problem with that is that's good. That's great. You know, second in the league. The Colts, they're at 84.1 in coverage grades versus tight ends in the league, which is the highest in the NFL. They've only allowed one touchdown this season to tight ends. Now, they have not played the tight ends that are on the caliber and, and the level of a, of a Darren Waller, but they still are really good in coverage against uh, Darren Waller. So when Evan comes on and we do the, the crossover and we talk all things Colts, I'll definitely ask him about Darren Waller and what he thinks about the Colts trying to defend him. But thought that was a kind of cool little nugget. The NFL tweeting out game ball of the week goes to the tight end Darren Waller and then pro football focus having him graded at uh, 86.7. Again, pro football focus is not the end-all be-all when it comes to you know stats and stuff like that and, and the way that they uh, they you know grade 
players and, and what they do throughout the season. But still, it's kind of a cool little measuring stick. So shout out to Darren Waller. Uh, hopefully he has a big game on Sunday against the Colts. Now, finally, wanted you to hear from John Gruden. He had his media session on Wednesday. Uh, and I just want you to hear really all the things he said about the Colts. So the first question that he was asked was about the Colts defense. And they're really good against the run. They're really good against the tight ends, like I just mentioned. What makes the Colts defense so good? Well, they're obviously uh, talented, number one. I think they play extremely hard, number two. They get seven, eight, nine men to the ball on almost every play. They don't make mistakes. They don't give up big plays. They're a consistent defense. They make you go the long, hard way. Uh, they poke the ball out of there. They strip it. They do a great job. Uh, and I think they complement their offense extremely well. And, you know, the addition of Buckner uh, really fortifies their front. They got a former Raider, Danico Autry, who's playing really good. And uh, I really like their linebacking core as well. And, you know, their young secondary with the addition of Xavier Rhodes is pretty good. They got players, they got coaches, and they got a lot of effort. Effort, speed, DeForest Buckner. I mean, they, they got players. They, they really do defensively. It's going to be a fun chess, chess match to see how John Gruden kind of schemes it up and gets his players in the best position to be successful. They do have some holes in the defense, but for the most part, it is really, really good. And I mentioned DeForest Buckner. Uh, Gruden was asked about him, about him just being unusually athletic for a dude that is so big. Uh, is that unusual in a guy his size? Yeah, he really is. He he is, um, he's a guy, he, he has a great stamina and down-to-down -down competitiveness of, of him for that big of a man. Uh, I really like him. We liked him as a 49er, loved him at Oregon. Uh, I, I can see why Chris Ballard and the, and the Colts sacrificed uh, the contract and, and the draft pick to get him. Um, he's a hell of a player, and uh, he made his presence felt last week against uh, Houston. He's, he's going to be a handful for us. He is definitely going to be a handful. I saw a couple weeks ago when uh, DeForest Buckner was put on the COVID-19 reserve list. I thought, is there a chance he doesn't play in the game against the Raiders? I was like, nah, the Raiders could never get that lucky. And look, I wouldn't want to put COVID-19, that reserve list, on anybody. I, I wouldn't want that at all. I don't care who the Raiders are playing, but man, that is a handful. That dude has definitely been worth that first round draft pick and all the money <laughs> that the Colts gave him when they traded with the San Francisco 49ers to bring him over right before the draft. So uh, the next question John Gruden was asked was how weird and strange is it going to be to see Phillip Rivers as the Colts quarterback and not as a Charger quarterback? Yeah, no, it really is. I, I, um, a lot of respect for him. He's playing hurt. You know, he has a beat up toe. Um, he has more fun playing football than most guys that I know. He has a passion about him that's rare, and uh, I know he wants to beat us in the worst way. He has a uh, disdain for the Raiders. He, he's made that perfectly honest to me in the last four, uh, uh, three years I've been back on the sidelines. So uh, it's great to see him playing well, and we look forward to competing with him also. Good old Phillip Rivers. I think I read somewhere where Phillip Rivers said this is going to be the 29th time that he's faced the Raiders in his career. So uh, obviously the Raiders are very familiar with him. He's very familiar with them. So uh, going to be a, a nice little uh, nice little battle come Sunday against old man Rivers. But uh, he's a damn good quarterback. He could definitely get it done. So the Raiders are going to have to get him off his spot, man. They're going to have to really get that pass rush. And I think with Chaz Green being in there, I think he's going to be in there. Something I'll ask Evan coming up in the crossover edition. 
position. I think Chaz Green is going to be that tackle. He'll be at the turnstile. So either Cleve Farrell, maybe Max Crosby, those guys can eat and really get after Phillip Rivers. We'll see how it goes out. Now, just have a couple more little sound bites I want you to hear from John Gruden's media session. And these are about the Raiders in general. How about the run game? The last few games, matter of fact, even going back to the Chiefs game, that Sunday night in Las Vegas, I haven't felt like the run game has been on point. It hasn't been doing what it was doing early on the season. Uh, so he was asked about the run game if he, if he feels like it's close to getting back on track. I don't know. I haven't been happy with it the last couple games. I know our guys haven't either. And we can be optimistic and we can be realistic. And I'm going to be realistic. We got to do a better job. We got to have better plans. We got to coach better. We got to we got to do it better. And um, I'll just leave it at that. It's never good enough. Kind of like our pass rush. No matter how good it is, some weeks it's still never good enough. We uh, feed our families with our running game. We got to be able to run out the clock at the end of the game, like we did in Arrowhead. We got to be able to convert in short yardage. We didn't do that in Atlanta, and it's still. You know, irritates all of us. So we got to do better. And uh, we, we made the effort to get better today. Well, if they get better, part of getting better will have Josh Jacobs out there. Josh Jacobs, Devontae Booker, Jalen Richard. I mean, if they could have that three-headed monster, I feel good about what they do, especially if big Trent Brown is back out there on Sunday, which I do believe he'll be. And I do believe Josh Jacobs will be out there as well, even though, you know, I, I said that that's a concern when I was talking about the injury report. Uh, you got to wait till he actually is out there on Sunday. But I do feel pretty confident that both Jacobs and Trent Brown will be back. And if so, I think the run game will really have a better opportunity to be successful, unlike what we've seen the last few weeks. So uh, the final one, and I, I usually don't you know, talk about special teams guys too often, even though I know how important special teams is. Daniel Carlson has been pretty sticking good for the Raiders this year. A.J. Cole's been pretty sticking good for the Raiders this year. I think their special teams unit under Rich Basaccia has been really good this year. You've seen balls down uh, near the goal line. I just think a lot of good things have come by way of special teams. You saw some on Sunday as well. Uh, Keyshawn Nixon getting down there, down in the ball. So John Gruden was asked about the confidence he has in kicker Daniel Carlson. I really like him a lot. You know, I think he's a talent. He's a rare talent. He's also, he's got a great uh, demeanor about him. He's never too high. He's never too low. His first year kicking here, I think he made 17 in a row. He uh, did, you know, run into some tough times uh, last year like a lot of these kickers do. You know, I've seen great golfers, three putt greens. I don't uh, think anybody's perfect, but you know, he never lost his confidence. Rich Passaccia, Byron Storer, our special teams coaches, believe in him. We got a great battery, too. A.J. Holt, uh, Cole is a great holder. Trent is a really good long snapper. And uh, I just think the kid is a money man. He's, he's a guy I got a lot of confidence in. So there you are. You hear John Gruden talking about kicker Daniel Carlson. I do believe he's done pretty sticking good this year. Uh, he's made some really big kicks and uh, gone out there with a lot of confidence. So that's a good thing. And you hear Gruden has a lot of confidence, especially in the Dome and in Allegiant Stadium. He really has a ton of confidence in Daniel Carlson. So that's all I got for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Kind of news and notes of the day. Coming up next, Evan Sittery, host of Locked On Colts. He's going to join me to break down this game on Sunday. You'll hear the Colts side of things. You'll hear me get my Howard Cosell on with him talking all things Colts as they prepare to play the Raiders. Week 14, Allegiant Stadium. Excited about that. Before I get to that, though, I do want to tell you about Built Go. Built Go is something that a lot of people have been asking me about. And they say, Q, what exactly is Built Go? What, what does it do for you? Well, it, it gets me through my wall. And that wall I'm talking about is that, that mental wall, that physical wall, that that, that thing that I, I, I look at, I look in the fridge and I look in the cabinets and say, man, I need something to just help me help me get through. And, and you know, it, it's like an energy drink. But the only difference between that and an energy drink is the energy drink, that, that energy is fake. 
Bilgo's energy is not. It's lasting. It's natural. It's good for your body. It, uh, it, it's safe on your stomach. You know what I mean? It's just everything about it is really, really good. So uh, it's something that you really want to, to have in your life when you, you are one of those people like myself who's very routine-like and, and likes to get something to, like I said, get me through that wall. It comes in a very small package, 1.5 ounces. You can take it with you. You can put it in your glove box. You can you know, put it in your back pocket if you want to. Your lady, you can put it in your purse. Don't matter. It comes in three delicious flavors peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut, chocolate mint. It's basically five-hour energy without the same crash. And you know how easy is it to grab a five-hour energy, just boom, take a shot, and then be good to go. Well, it's like that, but again, it's not going to give you that crash. It's natural, and it's good for your body. It has uh, collagen protein in it, which is fast-absorbing into your system, so it's easy on your stomach. Uh, it's loaded with good stuff to ignite your work. It's uh, collagen, who promote, which promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health, and basically the stuff is going to make you make you look better. So BuiltGo is, is your go-to. It should be your go-to. If you want to try it now, you should. Go to BuiltGo.com. Use the promo code LOCKED. You're going to get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED, 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Segment number two is up next. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we are. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast on this crossover Thursday, December 10th, 2020. Your boy Q here, and it is time for the crossover edition as we prepare for the Raiders and Colts. Week 14 action, Allegiant Stadium, Las Vegas. And to help me break down this game, uh, this is our conversation. Evan Sidery, he is host of Locked On Colts. He joined me. So here's our conversation about all things Colts. Alrighty, we are back for segment two of our crossover special. Evan Sider, Locked On Colts, Q of Locked On Raiders. Q, I'll give you the floor here now to ask you some Colts questions. Yeah, um, the Colts are, I mean, they're cooking right now. You know, they're looking really, really good. And, and I know at the beginning of the season, as Phillip Rivers became the, the starting quarterback there in Indianapolis, there were some questions, you know, was he fitting in? Was he, uh, you know, was he old and just kind of lost it or not? But from what you've seen from the, the beginning of the season to when they took that loss to the to the uh, the Jaguars to where they are right now coming off a, a nice little victory over the weekend, what, what have you seen? How much growth have you seen from Phillip Rivers? Yeah, Phillip Rivers' Q has been, I think, outstanding outside of one or two games this year. He's been exactly what the Colts have asked for. I think over the last two months of the season, he has 14 touchdowns and four picks. Unlike the few years past with Phillip Rivers, who was just a gunslinger throwing 20-plus interceptions, He's definitely reined it back in. Frank Reich, I think he's the perfect quarterback whisperer for him. And he just fits Reich's offense to a T. Just really quick one, two, three throw. Just rhythmic, rhythmic offense. You have the playmakers who can do yards after catch as well. Michael Pittman Jr., T.Y. Hilton, who's coming on a little bit. John Taylor as well. Naheem Hines is an underrated weapon as well in the backfield. Just a lot of solid pieces for Rivers as well as the offensive line. You can't go without mentioning that. He only, I think, has 11 sacks so far this year, which is the least amount allowed in the NFL. It's definitely preserving his career another couple of years for the Colts, I imagine. But Philip Rivers, I think, has just been exactly what they've asked for. An accurate quarterback. He'll take the risk down the field when he's asked to. Unlike Jacoby Brissett last year, he just was a very hesitant quarterback. Rivers is the exact opposite, but he's also more accurate, which makes it all the better for this Colts offense and why the risks are hit their stride at the right time, Q. Yeah, no, it, it does look like Phillip Rivers is really coming into his own. Obviously, he's a quarterback Raider Nation knows very well. Uh, he's faced the Raiders so many times. He talks a lot of trash. He's I always call him that gnat that won't go away, just kind of flies around your head. But, I mean, hell of a quarterback. Really, really a damn good quarterback. He does what he does. Uh, you know, Marlon Mack, your, your running back, he went out early in the season, man. Four carries, and he goes down season-ending, uh, you know, injury since since he's gone out, uh, Jonathan Taylor, you know, they, they drafted him to kind of be that compliment. How has he done from the running back position for the Colts? Yeah, it was a really, honestly, rough 
first few months with Jonathan Taylor, he really does the adjustment to the NFL speed was very noticeable for him. He wasn't hitting the holes as hard. I think he was overthinking things, maybe thinking more than he was actually running the football. And he also went to the doghouse a little bit. He fumbled against Detroit about a month or so ago. Didn't do well against Green Bay. Didn't do well against Tennessee. And he was really a third-string running back for about three straight weeks by nine behind Jordan Wilkins. But this past week, he erupted in Houston. He had 13 carries for 91 yards, seven yards per carry. I think he should have gotten a lot more touches in that game. But really, Frank Reich is all about running back by committee. But at this point, if he does play well against the Vegas Raiders on Sunday, I think he should take that label off of him and make him the workhorse like it was at Marlon Mack. Because the way John Taylor looks right now, he's very confident. He's looking a lot like he's, his vision is improving week by week which is a great thing for a rookie running back. I think next year is going to be a monster year for Jonathan Taylor. But looking at just the overall year, I'd probably give like a CC minus for him just because it was such a rough start. But if you can have a, a huge stretch here in December, maybe January, he's going to be a weapon here come playoff football. Well, you know, for any run game to go and for any quarterback to be successful, they need a successful offensive line. And I know the Colts have invested uh, very, very greatly into the offensive line, either by way of free agency or the draft over the years. Uh, Anthony Costanzo, the starting left tackle, he's dealing with a knee injury. I know he didn't play last week. Uh, what do you? What are your thoughts on him? Do you think he's going to get a chance to play this week, or is it going to be the third string guy because Clark is out? He tore his Achilles. Uh, the third string guy, who's Chaz Green, I know he's a turnstile at the tackle position. Do you think he's going to go, or do you think? Costanzo can make it happen on Sunday. Yeah, it sounds like Hugh Costanzo will not be going on Sunday and possibly even the week after that. It was a MCL sprain. The Colts got really lucky. If you've seen the replay of that injury, Hugh, that Jacoby Brissett was a quarterback sneak on the red zone, and Jacoby's helmet goes right into Costanzo's knee at full speed from right behind him. It's an awkward twist of the knee, and he goes down. He's out for the rest of the game. And the really the level of play between Costanzo to Raven Clark and Chaz Green is so insurmountable for this Colts offense. It just looks a lot different without Costanzo out there. And that's maybe to the Raiders' favor on Sunday because without Costanzo, this Colts offense is a lot more, I'd say, apprehensive. They really maybe play things a lot more safely. You don't have maybe you have less time to throw because, like you mentioned, Chaz Green was just flat-out awful on Sunday in Houston. He allowed three, all three of the Colts sacks. J.J. Watt just tore him apart, as did Whitney Merciless. So Max Crosby, Clellan Farrell, they're both probably licking their chops watching some Chaz Green tape as well. So it's going to be a really rough one on Sunday if they don't give Chaz Green any help. He's going to, he's also questionable in the injury report, but it's not that he's going to play. He practiced as well today with a back injury. So it will be Chaz Green, not even a fully 100% Chaz Green. So this offensive line without Costanzo, it, it goes from elite Q to, to about average or below average because the way – how important you – you know this as well, Q – Left tackle outside quarterback is definitely the most important position on the offense, or even the team, by that matter. Yeah, absolutely. Got to protect that uh, that blind side for Phillip Rivers, especially, I mean, he's a guy that's not going to run around. He's not going to try to uh, keep plays alive with his feet too much, especially dealing with that toe injury. I don't even have to ask if Phillip Rivers is going to go, because I, I don't care if you had to get him out there in a wheelchair. He's playing, especially against the Raiders. Oh, absolutely, yeah. He's definitely going to give it a go on Sunday, and he actually looked fantastic on Sunday against against the Houston Texans. He was 27 to 35 at one point. He had, I think, two incompletions at halftime. Just with the way the Colts offense, I think, is now with Rivers with his toe injury, it, it, he was obviously a statue before him, but it's really a lot, uh, really 100% shotgun offense now. One, two, three throw. First three, get it out of there. So you just have as much protection of that toe as possible. But even still with that injury, I mean, we saw him play on tour in ACL about 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. This dude's the toughest quarterback in the NFL, probably in NFL history, honestly. And he's not going to sit this one out with a toe injury. He's going to be playing... Even Ian Rapport mentioned last week, Hugh, that 
he's going to need offseason surgery on that toe, but he's not. It's not going to bother Philip Rivers at all. He's going to want to win that game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's nothing more he would love to do than beat the Raiders in their own home and really kind of mess up their their playoff hopes. So there, there's no doubt about that. And of course, the Raiders are very familiar with Philip Rivers. Now, looking at the defensive side of things, uh, the the Colts make the big move in the offseason leading into the draft. They go and make the trade with San Francisco. They go and get DeForest Buckner. They give him a boatload of money, uh, and he's been worth every single penny and then probably a little bit extra. Uh, how important has Buckner been? I know he's back from the COVID-19 list. How big has he been for the Colts this season? Yeah, Defoe has been an absolute star, superstar. I think he should be in the Defensive Player of the Year voting because we saw last Sunday against the Titans before they played the Texans that he really is the fulcrum, fulcrum of this defense. They allowed 43 points to the Titans without Buckner on the field and they come back against Deshaun Watson and shut them out in the second half of that game. Buckner has three quarterback hits and two sacks against them. He also already has 19 quarterback hits this year. That is only two off the franchise record for the Annapolis Colts already for, a, for an interior defensive lineman too, which is crazy to say. Dwight Freeney has the record with 21. So that really goes to show you how disruptive he is as a pass rusher, but the, even the running game too. The Colts are top five in rush defense so far. You, I can't remember the last time the Colts did that with historically a bad rushing defense. The Colts have had all their years in Indianapolis. But Buckner's changed everything. He got more pass rush. It's helping out Justin Houston as well. Put a three three sack game on Sunday. Darius Leonard's running more free in the middle of the defense, and even less pressure on guys like Xavier Rhodes, Rocky said, in the secondary as well. Just having that kind of superstar in the middle of your defense and the front four, it really changes everything. And, and as Chris Bauer mentioned in the offseason after acquiring DeForest Buckner, he is that crown jewel acquisition for this Colts defense. Takes him from an average defense to an elite defense. And when Buckner's on the field, we see that every Sunday. Yeah, I mean, they gave him a first-round draft pick, and like I mentioned, gave him a boatload of money, but uh, definitely worth every penny. He was definitely worth that first-round draft pick. Uh, how about the Danico Autry? He's a guy Raider, Raider fans know very well. Used to be a member of the Silver and Black. The Raiders chose not to re-sign him. The Colts have signed him, and uh, he's been there now a couple seasons, and he, he looks pretty good, and I know he's a little banged up. Uh, you know, he's been on the injury report here, here and there, but uh, what's your thoughts on Danico Autry? You think he's a go on uh, Sunday? Yeah, I think he's going to be a go on Sunday. He came off the COVID-19 list as well as DeForest Buckner did last Sunday against Houston. He was actually out for two weeks because he's actually symptomatic, unlike Buckner, who was asymptomatic. Okay. So he actually showed some symptoms there. But Autry so far next to Buckner has looked fantastic. I mean, he's playing on the outside now. And he was playing inside for the first two years of his career in Indy, but now he's bouncing to the outside as your strong side defensive end. He's looked very good in that role. Six sacks so far this year in 10 games. He just looks the part of a legitimate three-down lineman, and that's exactly what he's been for the Colts. And as you know, Q, he really flashed a lot of potential in Oakland. But in Indianapolis, he's done the exact same thing. And with the Forrest Buckner, he feels like a guy re-signed for another one or two years and let him, just, let him thrive next to Defoe because he really looks the part of a guy – who can do it all in the passing game, as well as a guy who's a really, really solid run defender as well. Last week for the Raiders, Darren Waller, the tight end, he went off, man. 13 catches, 200 yards, two TDs. He was a man-child. You know, he could basically do anything that he wanted to do. I know Pro Football Focus has him ranked right now number two as far as tight ends in the league. Uh, that's that's all great, and, and, and that's, you know, the bread and butter of the Raiders. They love to go to Darren Waller, but uh, with that being said, I know the Colts' defense is really good against defending the tight end. Matter of fact, best in the league. What makes the Colts why are they so good why are they so successful when it comes to slowing down opposing teams tight ends I think it's just because their overall team speed on defense Chris Bowder has built a unit that he's always based on traits the combine if you watch the combine the guys the freakish wingspans the guys the fast 40s the ones with the fast three cones they're probably gonna be Indianapolis Colts eventually he really loves to get those traits guys 
a 4-3 defense on a fast trip at Lucas Oil Stadium. It's really what they've always wanted at Indy, especially for Chris Ballard. He's wanted to build that type of defense, and it's shown this year. I mean, you have guys flying all over the place to the ball. It takes less than a few seconds to get there after it's caught. But I think the thing for me, Q, is that I don't think they've played anyone close to Darren Waller as far as tight end goes this year. Their level of competition at tight end has been pretty porous, so I would say. I think the best one they played was Austin Hooper in Cleveland. He's sharing that role with Harrison Bryant as well. And he's on – Darren Waller's on our level compared to Austin Hooper. So I think this is going to be a really unique matchup for this Colts defense. I wonder if you put Darius Leonard on at some points, maybe Curry Willis or Julian Black in the back end as well, just because Waller, like you mentioned, is a mismatch nightmare. And I think he's going to be a player on Sunday. If you can't stop him, he's going to be one, like we saw last week, get 10 to 15 catches with no problem. How often does the Colts defense – how often do they like to try to blitz and really rattle the quarterback, get him off his spot? Uh, I'd probably say – very sporadically. I okay. think it's only a couple games so far this year where they've really done that. Detroit against Matthew Stafford, they really got into his head early on. And Ryan Tannehill in their first matchup against Tennessee when they blew them out as well. That could be the same formula. I think that's what we maybe might be alluding to, Q, about just Derek Carr feeling the pressure a little bit. I could yeah. see that coming here on Sunday just because you have all those athletes on the defense. You have DeForest Buckner just used to up front. Could get in Derek Carr's head early and often. But I, I do think they might just try to bait Carr a little bit. They love playing cover two. They play a lot of also cover three this year, just having a lot more athletes on the field. So maybe they try to bait him a little bit more often, but I'd probably say it's around 25% of the time they blitz. That's not really that often. I think they're one of the higher ranked teams in percentage as far as cover two goes so far this year. All right, and my final question as far as the defense goes, uh, I know I know that they're really good against the tight end. I know that they're really good against the run. I know DeForest Buckner's a dude. I know Justin Houston's a dude. If there's one area of concern that you would have for the Colts defense, what would it be? It's a it's a small one. Maybe not a small one, honestly, because it's so important on the outside of the football field. That's a cornerback. Xavier Rhodes looked fantastic this year, but Rocky Sen, the second-year pro out of Temple, has been very up and down. These last couple weeks, he's actually gotten benched in favor of veteran TJ Carey, who's gotten a lot more snaps than Rocky Sen. That's not good for a top draft pick from 2019, but I'd have to say Rocky Sen, that second boundary opposite corner of Xavier Rhodes, who really is earning himself a big new payday in Indianapolis. But outside of that, you can maybe see guys like Hunter Renfro, or even see some other players like Henry Ruggs really start to target TJ Carey or target Rocky Asin on Sunday. Instead of going Darren Waller's way, they could go the outside more often. Well, you know, I said it was the last question, but then you mentioned TJ Carey. He used to be in the silver and black as well. Uh, what have you seen from TJ Carey as a member of the Colts? He's been outstanding. I think he's honestly been better than Rocky Asin, which might be a, a, a damning statement on Rock. But yeah. I think just the way he's come in and just been a, a consummate pro, he just does whatever the Colts need him to. Nickel, boundary, play special teams. He's he's 30 years old at this point, Q, but he's really a player that you should re-sign this upcoming offseason. He just does everything the Colts ask for on defense. He's a snug fit in coverage as well. Doesn't make many mistakes, which I think is the exact thing the Colts want. Matty Refus and that defensive coordinator, they want to be able to just be smart, regimented, not make many mistakes at all, and that's exactly what T.J. Carey has been so far this year. I knew he had struggles early on in his career in Oakland, but he's really starting to find his form here ended. Nice, nice. Well, I know he left the Raiders. He went to Cleveland. He had a little free agent deal there. Now he's in Indy, so good for TJ, man. I, I always liked him as a player. Uh, just didn't work out with the Raiders. Didn't work out with the Silver and Black, so uh, that's cool, man. I'm glad to see that he's uh, he's doing well there in Indy. Well, that's all I got for you now. I know you wanted to flip it around and, and do a little bit of predictions, so we could do that next, man. I'm good with that. Alright, let's go ahead and do a cue. I mean, I, I'll give my score. I'll go on DraftKings real quick as well. Just give out the spread for all the listeners. It looks like a two and a half point favorites. The Colts are on the road in Vegas. What do you think about that? Q? Do you think the Colts are going to cover that spread or how do you think it's going to go on Sunday? I'm going to go personally 34, 24. I think it's going to be a Colts victory. I think it's going to be one where, like you mentioned, 
the pass rush gets in Derek Carr's head a little bit. They stop Darren Waller. I think Jonathan Taylor has a big game on Sunday as well. Try to keep Phillip Rivers as safe as possible with Chaz Green at left tackle. I think this offense will move the ball against his poorest Raiders defense. What's your expectations and your prediction for Sunday, Q? You know, I think that the Raiders have to stop exactly what you just said. they got to stop Jonathan Taylor. They gave up over 200 yards rushing to, uh, to the Jets on Sunday, and that can't happen. You know, you got to make Phillip Rivers beat you. And I'm not saying he can't because he can. But at the same time, I'd rather him throw the ball 35, 38 times, maybe even 40 times a game if he has to. I just feel like he gives you an opportunity to make a play, like a, you know, create a turnover here or there, or you get an opportunity to sack him. So uh, I, I'm, I'm going to think that the Raiders are going to try to buckle down and slow down the run, really get after it, because what they did last week, they can't do again. So uh, at some point, the Raiders got to establish some kind of home field advantage. They haven't done it yet this year, their first year there in Vegas. So with the, with the playoffs on the line, everything that they got going, I think that the Raiders are going to find a way to get a victory. Uh, I, I don't think it's going to be a, a, a big spread. I think it's going to be like 32-28 or something like that. You know what I mean? Thir- like three-point lead or you know some, something like that. But I think the Raiders pull it off at the end. Q, I really like that one. I think either way, it's going to be a super fun, entertaining game on Sunday in Vegas. I wish there was fans in the stands because, like I mentioned earlier in the show, I just love that stadium, just the way it looks on TV. Hopefully, I can go visit that soon like you did, Q. But appreciate everyone listening on our latest crossover special, Locked On Raiders and Locked On Colts. You guys can go follow us on every stream platform listening to and listen to Q or myself covering the Colts and Q with the Raiders. Q, appreciate the time, man. So there it is right there. That is our conversation. That's the crossover edition. Locked on Colts, locked on Raiders. That gets you prepared for what the, the Colts are going to bring to the table, both offensively and defensively. Many thanks to Evan Sittery for joining me there in that segment to help me break down this game. Coming up in segment number three, your calls and texts. I won't have a lot of them, but I'll have a time for a few of them. So that's going to come up next here on segment in segment number three of the Locked on Raiders podcast. Before I get into that, though, I do want to tell you about Pepsi. This football season is going to be different. Pepsi's here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Uh, I told you at the beginning of the show, I'm looking for a new way to watch the game on Sunday. Hopefully, Josh Jacobs is back out there and I can put my Jacobs jersey back on the couch. But if not, I'll come up with something else. Either way, it's not weird unless it works, right? No doubt about it. Well, Pepsi's a refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. Passionate fans, they're the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It is made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. And no joke, Raider Nation, when I just said that, uh, you know, it's brought to you by Pepsi and I wanted to tell you about Pepsi, I heard the wife in the background said, made for football watching. She also said, make sure you go to madeforfootballwatching.com and check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. Segment number three is on the way. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Your time to shine. Your calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line. It's funny. I'm only going to have like three <laughs> in this segment. It's so funny because uh, when I thought about it, because I really don't have a lot of time, I, I kind of screwed up the time today. Shocking, right? Something I do. But I was looking at it. And I was like, man, I'm only going to be able to put these three that I didn't get on on, uh, on on Wednesday's show. And then I thought about it, man. And I was like, man, back in 2018 when I started and I first put up the voicemail line, like I might get three calls I might get three calls in in a day you know what I mean so now I'm talking about I only have three calls that I could put up I mean I man this podcast has come a long way uh thank everybody for uh, for all the contributions and, and and helping this thing grow because uh, I promise you man there was a time when when I might get you know five to seven calls and it wouldn't be any text it would just be calls might get like five to seven calls a week now it's like 
what? What in the world's going on? You know what I mean? Like the voicemail line on game day blows up. It's amazing. It's awesome. So shout out to you, Raider Nation. Uh, you're doing a hell of a job making this thing go. So let's go ahead and uh, stop talking about it and let's just be about it. Let's get into a text from Raider Rob in the 951. What up, Q? What up, Nation? It's Rob from the 951 here. Man, I'm so happy we got the win on Sunday, but let me tell you something, Q. I trust this defense about as much as I trust gas station sushi in the middle of New Mexico. When are we going to stop playing to the level of our competition? We could take the Chiefs down to the wire, but we can't handle the Jets the same way. I get that no game is easy, but we always seem to play to the other team's talent level and let them stay in it till the end. I'm happy we're winning, but I'm tired of this week after week anxiety attack when it shouldn't be that way. Anyway, stay up, Nation. One love. Go Raiders. That's Raider Rob in the 951. And yeah, man, you kind of just summed up the life of a Raider fan, right? It's just kind of what it is. I mean, the Raiders historically, you know, have kind of been that team that plays up and down, up and down each and every week. It's a heart attack, anxiety attack, you know, down to the wire, biting your fingernails. I mean, it just it kind of is what it is. And and you're right. They definitely need to be better. They need more be more dominant. If they're going to get into the playoffs and make some noise, uh, they've got to be more consistent. That's that's one of the words. That's the C word for the day. Consistent. They got to learn to be consistent. So hopefully they could do that this weekend. That'll definitely be one of the keys. Or maybe they could start doing that this weekend. So uh, anyway, uh, thank you for that text. Definitely appreciate you. Uh, next up is a call from East Bay T. It took him a while to put his finger on what it was about that game on Sunday. He couldn't really wrap his head around it, but. Once he got it, he was ready to bring the heat. Here he is, East Bay T. Yo, what up, Q? What up, Raider Nation? This is East Bay T. Uh, original from Hayward. Currently residing in the Reno area, representing Northern Nevada. Listen, man, I've been giving this game a lot of thought, and I'm over it now, but I couldn't put my finger on what the problem was emotionally. And I think what it is is just like that Kansas City loss felt like a win this Jets win felt like a loss it's crazy but shouldn't have ended that way it shouldn't have it shouldn't have taken that much effort to squeak through on a winless team we're not playing playoff caliber football right now and uh I just want to say that you know just win baby is the is the motto and that's what we did. We just barely won. But, hey, I'm with you, Q. A W is a W. I'll take it any day of the week. But, uh, you know, Gruden's famous for saying he's into nightmares. He's not into dreams. So, you know what? Don't take your foot off the gas. Offensively, they cannot play conservatively. They got to show no mercy. Belichick shows no mercy. He ran up the score 45 to nothing on the Chargers. You think he cared about playing conservatively at some point? Heck no. We got to come the same attitude. Gruden's got to come with the same attitude. If our offense can execute like a machine, like they did earlier in the season, there was like no stopping us. We could move the ball down the field. If we can do that and you can, and he can trust Derek Carr to run that offense, and let them run it. Don't take your foot off the gas, man. Put your put your foot on the neck and keep them down. That's what they got to do. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I mean, who are identity wise? Who are we? Offensively, we know who we are, and we got to act like that. Defense, that's a whole nother story. You know, I, I agree with you, Q. I heard you say a couple times this week that Gunther's our guy. He's the guy we have. 
He's not going anywhere right now. It's all true. But you know what? I'm not, I'm not a Gunther hater. But here's my thought on the whole thing. Gunther and Gruden have had the same amount of time to develop talent and, de- and, and to develop their respective sides of the ball. Gruden's doing his part offensively. I'm sorry, but the defense is lacking. And then it cut off. <laughs> and then it cut off. And uh, that was East Bay T right there. Definitely appreciate the call. And I'm not sure. I think that I think East Bay T was a new booty. I didn't play the music though. You know what? Hell, it ain't, it ain't, it ain't ever too late. I just switch it up. I'm going ahead and play the music on my uh, on my response. But a uh, uh, good call, East Bay T. Definitely appreciate you. Uh, and yeah, the Raiders defense. I think you said it right there. Hit it on the head at the end. It's lacking. It is, and that's something that I think we've all known that all season long. And that's not you know nothing bad to you. I'm just saying that's just something that we've all been aware of. And sometimes the Raiders defense steps up. Like going back to the Falcons game, the defense looked really good for a while and and kept the Raiders in the game, and their offense couldn't do anything. And then you know you saw what they saw on on Sunday against the Jets, where they gave up over 200 yards on the ground. And you know if there's ever a time. If there was just ever a time that the defense and offense played really, really good at the same time, oh, man, look out. Just look out. This team would be so damn good. And obviously that's something that they're trying to build up to is being really, really good consistently at the same time. It just has not happened. Uh, I don't know if the Raiders are going to address the coordinator position. They can't do it till after the season anyway. So, I mean, right now, Paul Gunther is who he is, and he's who you have. And if John Gruden decides to make a decision and a move after the season, then that's what he does. But I I don't – I mean, there's nothing he could do right now. Paul Gunther is going to be the guy the rest of the way. So, uh, thank you so much for that call, man. I appreciate you. And uh, final for the day is going to be a text from Raider Ed from Orange County. Say, hey, Q. It's Raider Ed from Orange County. Call me insane, Raider Nation, but the Jets game is exactly what I was looking for. I wanted a nail-biting, palm-sweating, heart-pumping, out-your-chest type of game. Sometimes I love these types of games, and you know why? We get to see the character of this team. We get to see where the Raiders stand mentally and physically. We get to see how the Raiders play in stressful and uncertain moments. I feel like besides the loss of the Falcons, every game our team has played with grit, heart, effort, and they don't quit. Q, you always tell us winning a football game in the NFL is never easy. So I already knew this game against the Jets was not going to be easy at all. One more thing, Q. I just want to say thanks for a lot for recommending NFL Game Pass. I love it. I'll definitely be renewing my subscription next season. Game Pass is a must-have in my life. The next thing I'm going to order and try is Built Bars. I will let you know my thoughts, but I got a good feeling I'm going to love them. I love protein bars, and it's another must-have in my life. Q, Raider Nation, have a great and safe week. As always, Q, thanks a lot, my man. That is from Raider Ed from Orange County, and uh, you're welcome. I'm glad that uh, everything is working out for you. And, you know, uh, it does sound insane that you wanted to see or you you were actually excited to see a game like that against the Jets. But after you break it down the way you broke it down, uh, that was actually kind of inspiring, man. That was almost like a locker room, uh, a locker room, uh, you know, chat or a lot of locker room uh, inspirational speech that you had before the game and everything. I mean, just, you know, I wanted a nail biting, palm sweating, heart pumping out of your chest type game. I don't know. I almost feel like I should be narrating like a video game or something. Or I don't know. That was awesome. That was good stuff right there. It got me fired up. I should go and find my helmet and go put it on and go outside and play a game, but I don't think the wife would approve of that, so I'm just going to go ahead and shut it on down. So anyway, uh, yeah, good stuff, man, good stuff. And you're right, the, the Raiders team has showed that they do have a lot of character. They have a lot of fight in them. They don't have any quit. And, and just a year ago, they did have some quit in them. Josh Jacobs said about the Jets game last year when they got the brakes beat off them that 
Some guys out there quit. Well, the Raiders don't have any quit this year. That's, that's one good thing that you could say about the team. Even though a lot of these wins are not coming easy, they're still finding ways to win the game. So thank you so much for that. I appreciate you. That's going to do it for today's show. Hopefully you enjoyed the crossover edition. Uh, Evan came through like the first of the month. We were able to knock that thing out. Uh, and we'll be back tomorrow. I'll give you the keys to the game, what I'm looking for for the Raiders to come away with the victory. I do think they'll win. I'll just tell you that right now. I do think that they're going to win on uh, on Sunday against the Colts, but I'll tell you how I think they're going to pick up that victory. We'll have more news and notes of the day, and we'll have more calls and texts straight out that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line. So until then, Raider Nation, stay safe. Do what you got to do. Wash your hands. Wear your mask. You know what I'm saying? Just take care of each other around you. And most importantly, just like the Raiders did on Sunday, just win, baby.